Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. and welcome back to the Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Haley. And this week's episode is sponsored by BarCast Audio. So BarCast recently came out with a new 1L mastery course, basically. And it has audio casebooks, which I think is awesome for like pre-cold calls because who wants to not know what they're going to say during a cold call, especially 1Ls. Like that is all you're going to be cold called on usually are cases. So it's definitely something you should check out. Yes. This subscription includes hundreds of podcasts, like audio lessons about different cases. So this is your secret sauce to acing that cold call and preparing for class quickly and efficiently. So use the link in our show notes to get your first month free of this 1L BarCast Audio subscription service. All right, guys, we have a very, very fun guest this week. We had such a fun time chatting with her, and now we want to go visit her in London and, you know, be her best friend. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Please help me welcome our guest, Ms. Charlene Giselle. Hi, Charlene. How are you? Hi. I'm so good. Thank you. Very happy to be joining you today. Thanks for having me on. Yes, yes. Okay, so tell everyone, including us, a little bit about yourself. Mm, where do I begin? <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to be a lawyer as far back as I can remember. Uh, perhaps not a very original story, although maybe one original piece of the story is that I literally wanted to be a lawyer as far back as I can remember. This is a bit sad, but as a little <laughs> girl, I would ask my dad, Daddy, Daddy, what, what do you do when you love to be in an office and play with papers? Well, you become a lawyer. <laughs> so it was, um, you know, growing up, my dad was a he was always on deals and the corporates and the suits and that kind of yeah. you know lifestyle. I wanted to step into daddy's footstep. And there was something about being somebody's advocate, you know, being able to uh, fight for justice and being able to talk for a living. <laughs> I quite like talking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was it was just a, a natural path in a way. And I couldn't wait to go into law school. I couldn't wait to study law. I was the biggest legal nerds, really. <laughs> so for me, it was always an obvious choice that I would be a lawyer. So you eventually did go to law school. 
And how is that experience? Where did you go to law school? And just tell us about that. That's a, I have a nice backstory, actually. Thank you for asking this question. Uh, I went to high school in the States um, for my uh, high school in Chicago. The reason this is relevant to the story is because although I wanted to be a lawyer, I was hugely disappointed when I got into America and I was told that to go into law school, you then first need to go into university for a few years yep. before you go into law school. And my type A impatience struck really hard and went, what? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta wait, but I want to go to law school right now. <laughs> so I couldn't bear the thought of waiting. And although my ideal plan was to stay in the US and study law school there, I found out that if I went to either Oxford or Cambridge in the UK, I could do law school straight off the back of my high school. And I was only 17 and a half. Uh, and I got into Cambridge when I was 18. Oh. Um, I flew all the way from Chicago to Cambridge for my interview. It was just mad because I also had finals for my high school that I had to take back in San Francisco, which was the only place available to sit those exams. And I had this offer with an interview and I thought, what, what do I do here? I can't not and there was no Zoom back then. There was no yeah. remote calling. So it was a wild bet. And um, yeah, I, I took the flight to take the interview. And I'm so glad that I did because I got in. Uh, <laughs> and I remember when I got the offer. Um, actually, it's giving me goosebumps just talking about it now. It's been years, yeah. but it's still the same feeling. It was not only Cambridge University that I got, but it was also my dream college, Christ College. Um Again, as a little girl, not the usual story, but my dad would be a, a fan of Charles Darwin and he studied biology. And I got that fantasy about studying where, where Charles Darwin studied. And that's what I did. I got Christ College. So that was my absolute dream come true. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. So you went and studied law right after high school at Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Wow. Can you at just 18, basically. At 18, yeah. Just tell us about that experience and studying law and what was that like? And the rigor, you know, I feel like law is so rigorous and ha- you're mm-hmm. young. So how do you manage that as a, I just as can't imagine, you know? Yeah. Well, great question. And you know what? Um, the one bit too that is initial that made it extra hard for me was that English was not my mother tongue. So at that point, I had only learned English and spoken fluently for about a couple of years, if that because uh, I spent that one year in Chicago. And when I went to Chicago, my English was very, very basic. So uh, studying law degree at Cambridge when you know, English is your second language is a bit of a challenge. And I suppose I, I took it as a challenge. I was just, you know, thought of, you know, go ahead in and um, be proud and be diligent and be disciplined and work hard and um, remember the end goal. And the end goal was you know, to success and to learn and to grow and to serve, you know, this future people in my mind. I can't tell you that I thought of clients as such because I was too young, but to serve, right? I wanted to Mm -hmm. serve. So it was something bigger than mine. And I think this is a beautiful thing about human being. Whenever you do something that's bigger than you, that's beyond the ego, beyond the self, then you thrive because it's, it's of service. You know, there is, mm-hmm. there is a goal that is communal, that is um, beautiful. So you do almost the impossible and you become the, I am possible. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good quote. I love that. 
So I'll do it <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> so tell us what were some of like your biggest struggles and mm. some of your biggest accomplishments though while mm. you were in law school at Cambridge? I'll be really honest, like my number one struggle was the language. Um, I remember sitting on the bench my first day of lecture at Cambridge, and it was the first time I was hearing British English. Uh, and, you know, I was far from fully, fully fluent back then. I was okay, but not legal jargon fluent, definitely not. And I was still hearing all those torts and, and it's just words that I've never heard before. Yeah. And in addition, the fact that I had learned English in America. So I got accustomed to the American accents and they were suddenly different. I swear that it was a different language. Yeah. Um, and I remember my professor telling me in one of the very first um, time that we met, well, Shannon, we can deal with the French accent. I mean, that's fine. It's beautiful. But the American accent on top of that, you're going to have to British up <laughs> because, you know, I used to say, I can't. And like, no, <laughs> we need to rectify that. And I just thought, okay, hold on. It was hard enough learning a language. Now I need to also learn an accent. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Oh my um, and he wasn't mean or anything like bless him you know he was a sweetheart yeah. but it was just such a different culture it was yeah. so much rigor and it was you know a lot of my friends were in Cambridge because mommy or daddy went to Cambridge or yeah. because they had friends of the family that went or because uh, the family was nearby or they were born in the local area I had no family member my family was in France um I had no support other than the friends that I met. And that was tough because I remember on Sunday, there is a British culture, the, the Sunday roast, right? And even when we were studying, some of my friends would see their family or a mom and drive would, would come and visit. And see, I, I didn't have that, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that makes it harder. Absolutely. But it also makes it easier to focus because mm. all I had to do was just study hard and I was so determined. So I worked extra hard to compensate for the difficulty of the language. Yeah. And um, just to rehearse, to rehearse, rehearse. I used to wake up in the middle of the night because I heard or oh, I read a paper back in the day, a neuroscientist that said that if you rehearse things at night, you're more likely to remember them in the morning. So I would set up alarms at like 3 a.m. strategically and then 4 a.m. and I would go and I would just read my taught book or my landlord or anything else that I had to learn and just rehearse it, close the book, fall asleep with the book and then wake up and I'd be like, oh, okay, <laughs> just remembering everything it was uh, intense. <laughs> Wow. And I feel like if I was, you know, a 19, 20 year old uh-huh. in doing that, like you have to have so much self-determination and self-discipline. Yep. And how do you get yourself? Cause I know as, as 25 year olds, it, when you go to in the United States, you go to law school, it's hard to get that self-discipline. Mm-hmm. So how did you manage to just, I mean, have that self-discipline at such a young age? Yeah. Do you think it was your desire to be a lawyer so much? Maybe, or do you think it was something else? Yeah, it was. And it was also the the the, the investment that other people put in me and the trust. So see, when I was in Chicago, I actually got so much love and so much support from my 
high school and from my American teacher. And it was like they all believed in me. You know, mm. I was there, the little racehorse, right? When I put in the application, everybody cheered me on. The high school was so proud that they had one of their, um, you know, students that would go to Cambridge. They put it in their brochure. Mm. And I just thought, I can't let this whole community down. You know, my dad was proud. My sisters were proud. And it's just... Again, it's coming back to, I think, when you do something that's not just for you, you're filling other people's cup as much as you fill yours. And that's the difference between, you know, self-motivation and fulfillment is if you have this sense of really deep fulfillment because you know that you're doing something that is going to impact and ripple over people's and ages and reputation and legacy even, then it, it has a meaning. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you are currently hooked on Never Lie by Frieda McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So, if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Love that so much. Okay, so how long were you at Cambridge? So I made it harder for myself. I thought it was just fine, but I couldn't make it harder. And I decided to take a double degree. <laughs> so I also wanted to be a French lawyer because I thought, oh. right. So I went to America, absolutely loved American culture. Still to this day, I have many American clients. It's really close to my heart. It's, it's kind of my home, you know, in a way, because yeah. I learned English there. Mm-hmm. And I had my family there, my host family, my mm-hmm. au pair family. So it's, it feels really homey. But I thought, okay, now I've got Cambridge, which is my second home, my British home. What about my origins? I'm French after all. Mm -hmm, And I've neglected that side completely. So I decided to opt in for the double degree, which was studying French law school while being at Cambridge to double up the degrees. So I did four years in total, which qualified into eight years as a French and British solicitor. So I have also my uh, master's in law from the French university. And after Cambridge, I went into France to graduate as a master in law from um, Pontet-Wassas, the Parisian university to be dual qualified. Love that. I love that you went back to your roots and like knew that you wanted to also be 
a lawyer in France. That's amazing. Mm. So what was your first job out of law school? Oh, great question. (laughs) So my first job out of law school was, um, so the way it worked in England, so you do your uh, undergrad and your master, and then you go to what you guys call law school. But for us, it's just one year and it's really that qualifying school. So it's very practical. It's the legal practice school. So it's, we call it the LPC. And I did that in London right after France. And then what you do is you get a training contract during that year or the year before. So as soon as I finished that year, I became a trainee at an American law firm uh, because that was an obvious choice for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I joined my dream firm in the city of London. And I was, what was, 21? Yeah, 21. I was so, so happy. Yeah, four years. So straight after my uh, double degree. And uh, I, I loved it. I went into construction litigation. Um, and it was, it was a fantastic experience. Construction litigation in London. Mm, at an American law firm. <laughs> I, that is, I bet that you were busy. I think that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about life at the firm yeah. and what your days look like and maybe... What was the size? Like how many attorneys were at this firm? Yeah, it's the a picture it's of a, the firm. Yeah, it's a it's a really big law firm. It's one of the biggest American law firm in America. So it was a it was a it was a big one. Um, okay. What was the day like? Running around um, as litigation, we did a lot of a uh, lot of paperwork. As of course, like sometimes the bundling, you know, the less glamorous part of the work as a trainee. A lot of legal research, a lot of uh, learning from the partners, learning from the associate. As you grow, learn and grow into becoming an associate, then you get more client exposure and you get to really spend more time with the partner doing the real litigation pieces because as a trainee I feel like a lot of the tasks are a lot more administrative which are not not important they're really really crucial but it's really um, you know learning how the litigation system works and what it takes to actually be a litigator yes I loved it but I think I perhaps got overly involved emotionally Mm -hmm. and for me it's where the journey ends in terms of where I noticed the limitation of lawyering as far as I'm concerned, not in as a general statement. I would never say that because for many people, being a litigator is fantastic and it's their career and devotion and they want to do it for the rest of their life. And I think that's so admirable. But for my personality type, I think I got too involved. I found it hard when I left home not to be thinking about my client, not to be thinking about the matters um, I didn't have a strategy to switch off and honestly, very quickly, well, very quickly, maybe not, but like five years in, I burnt out. Yeah. Um, I was, it's really hard and vulnerable to admit because I thought I was a tough cookie, you know, having gone through, uh, yeah. uni and having done what I did. Yeah. Um, I thought, well, I can power this one through as well, but there was a, a combination of excessive drive with a work harder, culture with a neglect of my own towards my basic needs no I neglected my water intake my steps my movement my sleep like I remember not sleeping for nights and I'm not saying that to blame anyone here like I really take ownership of that like no one told me to do that I chose to do it right Mm because I've mimicked an environment and at the time I thought 
I could last forever, but uh, I guess I learned the hard way that I couldn't. So at what point did you decide, okay, I can't put myself through this anymore. Maybe I need to rethink things. Uh, It was a gradual process. There was a lot of resistance, uh, emotional and psychological, because I was so involved with the idea of being a lawyer, with the being a lawyer, and with the, I was very attached to that, if I'm being honest. And working through attachment is a very big piece as you grow up, right? You know, what are you attached to and how do you detach yourself from your attachments? And there is a lot of ego as well involved with the social status and the pride behind, behind lawyering. And also, let's be honest here, the social security, the financial security, you know, I was probably making more money than most of my friends at that age. Um, And the career prospects were really exciting. You know, we also had great nights out with clients, really Mm -hmm. amazing business engagement opportunities, a lot of glamour, a lot of travel. They sure know how to make it attractive. Um, So reconsidering that and admitting with your own vulnerability that, gosh, it doesn't work out for you is heartbreaking. And the financial investment that it represented, the emotional investment, the years of hard study and dedication and sacrifice. You know, back when I was 17 and 18, my friends used to go to Ibiza. I was in the library studying. I didn't summer in Ibiza. I summered doing vacation schemes at law firms. (laughs) I sometimes did four in the summer. So you look back and you think, right, okay, so yeah, I I I don't know what a nightclub is really. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know how law firm works, but um, so I thought, okay, okay, so let's let's think this through. So my next move was I'm not willing to give up fully. I decided that I was going to stay in the law, but not as a lawyer. So okay. I my next move was to go into legal tech. And that's how I became a legal legal tech specialist. I went to work for a very big legal tech company. And then I became an innovation manager and I worked there as well. So really into this legal world, I was still, you know, trying to navigate my way around the legal community, but in a role that wouldn't have the billable hours. So it wouldn't have targets as such. Did that for a few years, worked with amazing people, amazing colleagues, I uh, feel very lucky, but I had an itch that I still hadn't satisfied. There was something inside me that just wanted, yeah. wanted something else. Yeah. And as hard as it was, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go and I'm going to go on a quest. It was my call to adventure. I'm going to leave my material life behind. Uh, I'm going to see, I'm going to see the world. I'm going to, you know, maybe be the teenager that I never was. (laughs) Um, And I took a bet. I decided to go on a health adventure and I went on a world tour. Um, I went to live in an ashram in India for a few months, living with monks, learning meditation and learning breath work. Then I went to live on a remote island uh, for five months in Indonesia, in the middle of nowhere, a very beautiful island with beautiful people, just to learn about primal living and reconnect with my roots and with more holistic and natural ways of living. And then I decided that I was, you know, going to really become the coach that I wish I had so that I could still serve the legal community, but in a different capacity. That's the story. Oh, wow. I feel like there should be a book written about this. I know, I know. And also, I just have so, so many thoughts. So I'm just going to throw them out there, okay? So I feel like 
you were so young when you started law school, right? And going back to Samantha's question of like, how did you do that as an 18 year old? And how you talked about going to the big law firm and working, and then five years in, you're burnt out. The big law firm, like it is the biggest, yeah, you know, it's like the pinnacle. And and you and you mentioned I wasn't submarine in Ibiza, like I was working, you know. And I think that that's a part of growing and how you talk about the spiritual journey. Okay, I'm 26. She just turned 24. We haven't even graduated law school. Like we're not even barred attorneys yet, you know? And I totally understand this version of you going as a 21-year-old, making more money than anybody. Like I can't even imagine. You're talking about this glamorous life. Like it's just not sustainable, right? I love that you said that because that's that's my new work, sustainable high performance. That's my role title. That's what I do. I'm a performance coach for sustainable wellness. And you know, when we talk about sustainability, you just you just hit it there. We talk about the planet, right? And the planet is so important. I love that. But what about sustainable ways of being as a human being? What about sustainable ways of working? Because at the end of the day, as you know, ladies, like your career in law is not a sprint. It's a a marathon. You need to be holding the long distance, right? And if you don't have a strategy to be able to run in the long run, you're not going to learn in the long run. You're going to burn out. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating, really, how athletes have coaches and have rest days and have leg days and, bite and arm days, back mm-hmm. days, and right? And we okay. as lawyers use our brain day in and day out oh, without yeah. any rest, any really strategy, and we just think we'll be fine. Well, brain You're is not. just like a biceps. You know, it needs yes. rest day. Yeah. Literally, yeah. it does. You know, and anyone that starts to study neuroscience and knows about the five different waves of the brain, know that the different levels of activity, you can't sustain this high activity all the time. It's excellent for peak performance and focus and flow, but you also need to bring them down to rest and release. And that's why for me, learning meditation was so transformational mm. and so triggering. You know, when I got to the mat, well, actually, it wasn't a mat, it was the floor. There was no mat. (laughs) Um, And I was asked to sit down and stay silent. It was so, so triggering. What do you mean being silent? I get talk for a living. My my words is what defines (laughs) everything. Yeah. You know, near, near, it was so, so, so difficult. And then it was actually what I needed the most to be in silence, to gather my thought, to tap inwards to go inwards, to see behind the layers of the status and the security and the ego, and to actually understand that my burning desire to be a lawyer was a burning desire to serve. And I didn't have to be a lawyer to serve. I could Mm -hmm. be a coach. I could be a consultant. I could be an advisor. I could be a burnout advisor. You know, at the end of the day, if you go down the level of the iceberg, you know, if you think of the tip of the iceberg as being what you want to do, and you go down the level of the iceberg thinking, why is it that you want to do what you want to do? You start to realize that perhaps the whys are more important than the what. And if you bring yourself and bring the water level down to bring the sort of tip of the iceberg more and more visible, you might find incredible knowledge. When you were talking about your identity and Mm -hmm. how as a young person, all you wanted to be was a lawyer. There was a point in time last year where a professor told me 
and a group of students, of course, it wasn't just me, but told me like, you have to have an identity outside of the law. And that blew my mind. Right. I, I, I didn't, I was like, wait, what? Like I have a podcast all about law school. I'm in law school. Like everything in my life is the law. And once I realized that, because, you know, what if the law just wasn't there? Right. I mean, that's a crazy statement, but at the same time, what would you do? And it just made you think outside the box of the other things that you had in life and what you enjoyed in life. And I feel like as a young person in their 20s, it's so important to find that other version of yourself as a, not just as a lawyer, but also as the other versions of yourself. And for you, it might have not, it, like you were still in the law, but you just wanted to serve, not necessarily yeah. do the lawyering part the whole entire time at the, you know, the way you were doing it which is the most probably intense way you can yeah. for most people, you know? Yeah. And it's really what underpins the desire, right? And it's going back in time and really trying to have an honest conversation with yourself, which what underpins the reason you want to do what you want to do. And in many times, and I work with many clients that want to be a lawyer and they want to be a lawyer. That is a non-negotiable fantastic i'm not one to advocate quitting the law and to go and live in the himalayas i did it so that other people don't have to do it if they don't want to do it now if you tell me you want to do it i'll tell you how you can do it (laughs) but if you tell me that you want to stick to your career in law i would applaud that and support that with all my heart so my mission statement is really tell me where you want to be and i'll tell you how to get there Because you see, if you don't have a strategy and a blueprint to be a lawyer in the sustainable manner, to do what you do, but in a way that you can do it long term, you you might hear the wall. And and I say that with a heavy heart because I've seen it myself, Mm -hmm. my colleagues, the the people that I've admired the most in the profession, I've burnt out so many of of my my dad burnt out he was yeah. in insurance he was a broker but you know very similar type of work and intensity it's it's um almost a rite of passage you know the, the burnout in in the industry and Sadly. it's been normalized too it is and do you think if you, let's say you people want to work at these big firms that you know mm-hmm. like at the scale that you were working um what has to change to not have people not feel burnt out so quickly. You know, they say a lot of, like you said, five years, it's kind of like, oh, what am I doing? You know, I'm starting to feel burnout. So what what can law firms do, you think? And Or is it possible to go to these firms and not have burnout? Like what is the, yeah. what's the special sauce? So that's a really important question. And I'm going to say something that may be a little controversial here, but at the end of the day, law firms are law firms and not wellness, but... And the reason I say that is actually with all my love, like they are law firms. So if you don't set your boundaries, no one else is going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I all get, all often get this question from journalists or people I work with. They're like, oh, you speak so beautifully about the law firm you worked with, but you burnt out. I'm like, yeah, I burnt out. Like at the end of the day, yes, the environment contributes to you burning out, but I burnt out because I did not set boundaries. 
you really need to put yourself first. And I don't mean that in a cliche, you put yourself before your work. No, no, I understand that your work can be first, can be a priority, and that's honorable, and there is nothing wrong with that. However, let me break it to you. If you don't think that sleeping is necessary, you're just kidding yourself. And I mm-hmm. used to think that sleeping would be uh, later on in life. I'll do it in my 40s. It doesn't work like that. You know, mm-hmm. I used to start my day and I say it now and it's you know, it terrifies me to think of it, but I would, you know, <laughs> get some water and I would put some really high dose vitamin C and all kind of stimulants drink like Red Bulls or all that kind of crap and just have that to start my day with a large mug of coffee. Just, you know, completely ridiculous amount of caffeine. Mm-hmm. And then of course, as the night hit me, I would not be able to fall asleep. So I would work through the night and I would suffer from insomnia, panic attacks. I'm not ashamed to say I've resorted to sleeping pills too because I was so stressed out. This is not healthy behavior. These are not things that can contribute to a healthy mental wellness. And it's not, I'm not about to tell you, oh, you have to choose between being a lawyer and being a fitness influencer. This is not about that. It's about those basic physiological needs. You need to feed yourself well. You need to hydrate yourself properly. You need to move your body. You actually have to walk, to um, work out. I don't mean, again, being a gym rat, but I mean, you know, getting your basic need met, looking after your metabolic health, looking after the way you breathe, making sure you have excellent sleep hygiene and sleep routine, making sure you treat yourself like an athlete at the end of the day, because you are an athlete. Lawyers are athletes of the legal world. You know, everybody should have a gold medal when they make partner. In my eyes, they have gold medals. Right. So, you know, we have this like amazing fascination in the world with the Olympics and okay, cool. But what about the Olympics of law firms? Right. Like (laughs) for me, when I see this incredible game changers in the profession. I mean, you can probably tell I'm quite passionate about the topic, but I think, you know, we do all deserve medals, but to get a medal, we need coaching, we need strategy and we need blueprints. Yes. And you can't do it alone and you shouldn't do it alone. No, no. And and that's really what I say. You know, I wanted to be the coach that I wish I had because I genuinely think that if I knew what I know now, I would still be a lawyer. Yeah. I agree with you because I think you you just needed someone to show you the sustainability and and you like you said you went out and lived in the Himalayas to help yourself <laughs> yeah, you, learn you did and the work to yes, help others because you are the ser- you know you have that serving mentality you know mm-hmm. like you put in like you said all the hard work that you put in it's all for the ripple effect. Like it's going to affect all these people. Like you are not afraid to put in the work to serve at the end of the day. Yeah. And I'm really open, you know, when I talk to law students as well, and law school is, you know, use me as a cautionary tale um, because, you know, I I want my burnout to serve so that you don't have it. Right. Because why not? If, if my story can resonate and, you know, someone can relate to it and think, right, wow, let, let me let me dive in a little bit here and, and see what truth there is to say. Um, because it's it's a harsh reality, but it's a tough world to operate in. And it's not impossible. It's absolutely doable, but you've got to get support. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Charlene, will you tell everyone where they can find you and if they're interested in using your services and chatting with you more? Oh, thank you. Absolutely. I'm quite active on Instagram. And if you want to know about 
my previous careers and you're curious about my law firms in the past, you can find my LinkedIn profile with my name, Charlene Giselle Beaulieu, and my website, www.charlengiselle.com. And I offer a lot of free resources as well. I have eBooks and guided meditation. So if anyone just wants some free resources, I do a lot of that too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank Thank you. Thank you. Wow. So when are we booking our flight to London? I'd love to go. (laughs) Right. I mean, I remember whenever we first chatted with her, I realized that she was French. And so I was very interested to know more about her story and how she, you know, ended up, you know, becoming an English lawyer and beautiful. I love her French accent. I just couldn't get over it. But also I was like, she went to Cambridge. Like, how is this all working? Um, with all that being said, I mean, absolutely great interview. She is such a awesome person. Her wallpaper was stunning. Her outfit was stunning. She dressed up for us, which we couldn't ask for more. We loved chatting with her and we hope that you guys, you know, totally see her radiance and understand that she's obviously such a hard worker and so able to persevere, you know, whenever she talks about leaving the States and coming to London to go to law school and the teachers giving her a hard time about her accent, you know, because not only did she have the French accent, but she had this American accent and they wanted this, you know, English accent. And she just cried and struggled. And it's like, wow, even this amazingly beautiful, stunning, what seems like perfect girl, like struggled, you know? it makes everything seem so much more realistic and able to do, right? She also worked at one of the biggest firms in the world, like, wow. And she also got burnt out. And I think that that is just a lesson for me, for sure. Yeah, and I think um, with the amount of people in big law that have said they have struggled with burnout, like, this is definitely not saying big law is like something terrible, of course, because the work they do is awesome. But that being said, I think the environment, the culture, right, can help with this burnout. And it's something that we should all be talking about. And I know a lot of you guys who are interning at big law firms, you know, struggle as interns when you have to, you know, stay until 10 p.m. and then have to go to happy hour and then go back to the office. So, you know, um, just think about these things and research the firms that you're going to, and then take care of yourself. If you're going to be going into one of these situations, you know, be aware, be self-aware, be mindful, take care of yourself, put yourself first, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, um, slowly people will start shifting the environment, you know, because you mimic your environment a lot of times. Absolutely. And I think it was really interesting too, when she talked about never sleeping, I can't relate. So it made me really think about how some people probably do like get by in law school without sleeping. And that's how they are able to spend so much time doing work. And like right now, my biggest problem is like sitting down and doing the work because I don't want to do it. But we're all just going through different things at different stages of our legal career. And I know we always try to preach, like learn from people like Charlene, you know, like learn from her burnout through all that hard work. Like 
Can you believe it? She got burnt out five years into practice after she had just worked her hiney off for so long and like never took a break and was just working, working, working. You know, eventually like the wheels are going to burn off, you know, even if you are this amazing dragster, like the car will eventually give out, you know, so you have to take care of yourself. And I definitely think that every single time we have an interview, I learn something new and it just like puts this new thought in my head of like, okay, how should I live my life this way? If I want to do these things and this is no different. And we thoroughly appreciate her coming on and chatting with us. I know that this was a special one just to be able to talk to someone who went to such an amazing school, worked at such an amazing law firm, and now, you know, helps people who were just like her not make her mistake. So, yeah, it was great. And definitely, like she said, reach out to her on LinkedIn if you want to know what firm she worked at. Um, all her stuff will be in the show notes as usual. So definitely check her out. And yeah, I think that's it for this week. We had a very busy weekend and we have a couple of weeks coming up that um, are probably going to be just as busy. So we're hanging in there, guys. And we love you guys a lot. Yeah, we know you guys are probably hanging in there too. So keep up the good work and stay safe, stay healthy, and also... Don't forget to join our Facebook group if you're needing, you know, that push. Maybe someone to just lean on. I know that I've been seeing so many people talk about the LSAT. And for me personally, that's so far off and reserved from everything that I've been thinking about. And it just shows how this legal journey is so segmented and can be so isolating. And it feels so different when someone's, you know, like me going to graduate study for the bar versus someone who's studying for the LSAT. It's like so similar, but different, you know? So go to the Facebook group, make friends, DM us on Instagram. If you have any questions, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. And we will talk to you guys again next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.